Well, good morning. Good to see all of you here. And <clears throat> We're going to be looking this morning at uh, Luke 1, 26 to 28, and titled the sermon, The Awe of It All. I'd, <clears throat> I would ask as we just kind of begin, as you think about <clears throat> what's happening in this passage, as we think about this idea of Mary being in awe of what was taking place there as the angel came and the angel made his announcement to her. <clears throat> what was that like? And and we're going to talk a little bit about this awe that is generated within us, right? And so maybe a good place to begin is just kind of thinking, okay, what is <clears throat> what has been one of those moments where I had that real sense of awe or wonder? Um and, you know, as I thought about this, kind of went back in my uh, just thinking as a, you know, growing up and a kid, those are typically those places in your life where, okay, you you see things that are just bigger than life and you kind of experience them. What were some of those experiences for me? So I, as I kind of went back in my memory, I thought, well, we went to the Grand Canyon <clears throat> and uh, and that was pretty amazing. I mean, I, I remember as a kid, except it couldn't have, I couldn't have been in that awe because when my cowboy hat flew off my head, I started to climb down to go after it. So I wasn't that, you know, uh, the the distance to the bottom like hadn't struck fear in my heart or anything. My mom recalls, you know, grabbing me by the the uh, shirt as I went down to get my cowboy hat. Uh, I've been to Niagara. I had been to Niagara Falls, an amazing. But I didn't even remember it, so it couldn't have been that awe-inspiring. And so, as I kind of went through these, the first like real sense of something powerful, bigger than me, with lots of force and energy, something that just kind of, it, for some reason, strikes awe and struck on me as a child, was when I was a kid. We lived in uh, San Bernardino, California. My dad was stationed at Norton Air Force Base. It was his last assignment before retirement. So it would have been 78, 79, somewhere in there. And they had an air show. And the SR-71 uh, was there. It, it, does, anybody? Oh, wow. Okay. <clears throat> the SR-71, nobody? Yeah, okay. All right, all right. Some of y'all are with me on that at least. You don't have to have been there, <clears throat> but that was an amazing aircraft, and I'll never forget. So they had it roped off. Um, you know, you couldn't get up near it or anything. It, 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 you know, at that point, it was a, it was still a, really a, a big deal, and um, and the last part of the entire air show was we all sat down in bleachers, and it took off, and he took off, and you've never felt. Anything like? I mean, you literally have never felt anything like it. Um, I mean, now this is a plane that can, you know, map the United States in an hour and a half. Okay, so uh, he took off and he flew and he went way down and then he came back and did a pass over the base. And I just remember my insides kind of vibrating and I was in awe. Like, you know, I want to do something like that. I want to. I want to go. I, I mean, it caused it. It moved me in a, in, a, in a direction like, I want to be a part of that. That's, that's what it kind of caused in me. I don't, I, I don't know how many of those you have, but this morning's passage for Mary is one of those. 
Um, and so let's just kind of jump in and, and begin looking at it. The awe of it all, how, how it starts, <clears throat> where it leads, and how it ends. How it starts, where it leads, and how it ends. So for Mary, this awe, okay, because I think what you're going to see is this does something to her. This announcement, obviously, it radically changes her. We'll look at how it does it, but it it changes her, and, and it begins with God's revelation to Mary. That's where it all starts. So in this experience that we have with God, if something is going to happen, that something is going to begin with God's revelation to us. And that's how it happens with Mary. Now, to get you just to think about this, to get a little bit up to speed, okay? So, an angel of the Lord appears to Mary. Now, when we hear that, somehow, somewhere, I think we get this notion that angels are just, you know, they're just kind of all over the place in Scripture. There are actually... Only five named angels in the Bible. Three of them are fallen, and two of them aren't. Okay, You've got Abaddon or Apollyon, Beelzebub, and Satan. Those are the three fallen angels that are named. And then you have two angels that are named that are not, Michael and Gabriel. And Gabriel appears to three at three different times, three people. He appeals to, uh, appears to Daniel in uh, Daniel chapter 8, verse 15. Um, now, think about that. So, <clears throat> Mary is going to be one of three people that receive this real direct divine announcement sort of a thing. That's a big, that just, that takes this passage, which you could wrap up into some ordinary thing if you, if you don't really begin to ponder it, if you don't really think about it, right? Uh, somehow, you know, because angels for you are just, yeah, okay, with angels in the Bible and everything. This encounter is, is, it's a notch above. I mean, it's, it's an incredibly special encounter that Mary has. And so Gabriel, uh, Gabriel, who has already appeared, like I said, in Daniel chapter 8, verse 15. Uh, think about Daniel, who he was, you know, toe-to-toe with Nebuchadnezzar, um, not, not a man necessarily prone to fear. Listen to the encounter. He says, uh, this is Daniel chapter 8, verse 15. While I, Daniel, was watching the vision and trying to understand it, uh, there before me stood one who looked like a man, and I heard a man's voice from Yahweh calling, Gabriel. Tell this man the meaning of the vision. And as I came near to the place where I was standing, I was terrified and I fell prostrate. Son of man, he said to me, understand the vision that concerns the time of the end. That's Daniel. Completely undone, totally moved by this angel that came and brought the message to him. And then we have Mary. Now, there are a couple of indications that her response is something of that, right? Um, it says first that she was greatly troubled, and then Gabriel next has to encourage her, please, don't be afraid. So there was obvious fear in her heart. Um, there was some, you know, there was some anxiety. There was plenty of awe. And there was a lot for Mary to feel uneasy about, quite frankly. Um, think about it. The angel first, an angel Bringing the message, that's a big deal. Second, the nature of 
the message that he is bringing. It's blowing Mary's mind. I mean, you will conceive in your womb. Okay, hold on a second. Mary's got an issue with that, right? How is that going to happen? Um, and then verse 32, he will be great. He will be called the Son of the Most High. Mary, Mary gets this language. And you will call his name Jesus. He will be great, Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him his throne. I give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. It's a massive message, a massive announcement. And, and you think about that. It is coming. So the Lord is revealing this to Mary. It's his message. And that's where it begins. It always begins. The story itself, right? The incarnation, who we are and where we are as people in the church. It, it begins with God's movement towards us. It begins with the incarnation, with God becoming man. It begins with Him tabernacling amongst us, living in our midst, becoming one of us, being tempted in every way, just as we are, yet without sin. All of that, that's where any awe that you and I are going to have, any movement in our lives, begins because God Himself moved towards us, because He loved us, because He came and He had a divine message for us. Exactly the way he does with Mary. And that's where it begins. It doesn't begin with you and I being smarter than someone else. It doesn't begin with us getting it. Like, like ah, you know, I don't understand why they don't get it. And I do. It doesn't begin because you're more spiritual than someone else. Because you have a a better understanding of the Bible than someone else. You and I know what we know because God revealed it to us. It it might not be an angel. 99.99% of the time it's not an angel. It's God opening our eyes. You know, uh, remember when Jesus asked his disciples, who do you say that I am? And, and Peter you know, lurches forward. You are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And Jesus' response to him is telling, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jodah, for that wasn't revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. So this awe, the awe of Christmas, if we have any at all in our hearts, the awe that is attached to Jesus' life, his, his incarnation begins by God opening the eyes of your heart and my heart. You can't do it. He has to do it. And that's why a couple of weeks ago we looked at Paul in Ephesians 1, right? Open the eyes of their heart, Lord. That was his prayer. His prayer was that God would illumine people, to, that he would give them insights, that they would know him who he is and what he's done. Now listen, this is this is challenging. It's instructive for us, right? Because it really puts it puts God in the driver's seat and it puts us in this position of being those to whom he opens eyes and reveals things to us. He is God and we aren't. 
mean, if R.C. Sproul, who passed away this past week, did anything, helped us understand anything, it was the majesty and the awesomeness of God. That he is wholly other and that he created us. And, and he drove that point home. And, and it's something that we really need to, to hold on to. Because it's at a point like this when we're thinking about, so you, right here you could just begin thinking. If it's God who opens eyes and not me, right, then maybe lay those frustrations down that you have about someone who's near you, close to you, someone in that immediate sphere of your life who doesn't know the gospel. They don't know the king. They don't know the savior yet. It's, it is heart ache. I, I know. But he's the one that does it. And so, right there, there's, you know, because a lot of times we're pouring our frustration out on them. Why don't they get it? Why can't you see? Why don't you understand? Why don't you have the same love for the Savior I have? And, and honestly, quite frankly, they can't. Their hearts are bound up within them. And so that's why we pray to God. That's why we move towards Him. But I just want you to ask this morning, thinking about the the beginning, right? What is your level of awe at God's revelation to us as we once again this year think about the Incarnation? What is your level of awe at that? Does that move you at all? Because it moved Mary, and that's our second point. Where, where it leads, it leads us to worship and adoration. And, and a few verses from, from the section that we're looking at right here, Marion read it for us. We have, uh, we have what's referred to as Mary's song or Mary's Magnificat. And listen to the way she begins this. Mary said, my soul glorifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. My soul glorifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. So the news that comes to Mary, right, opens her eyes. There's wonder. There's awe. Uh, it begins with God's revelation to her. What it leads to next is Mary entering into this worshipful state. She is in awe. Uh, and so because of that awe, she begins to glorify the Lord. She has seen something amazing. She has heard something amazing. And so she worships. Okay? She, she begins to express this joy that she has in her heart by worshiping. <clears throat> and, um, and this is extremely common throughout the Bible. I mean, this is, this is what happens when you get it. This is what happens when, when you just, in that quiet time of meditation, when you stop and you think about what the Lord has done. Perhaps you, perhaps you listen to worship music. Perhaps you read the Word. Perhaps you read poetry. Perhaps you just meditate. But when you, when you spend those times thinking about what it is the Lord has done, what does that do? Does it move you to that worship point? Consider Psalm 50. Oh, uh, Psalm 150. 
Um, think about it. Sometimes, sometimes it's who God is. Sometimes it's what God's done. Those would be the two components. So sometimes we think about who He is, and just thinking about who He is moves us to that worshipful state. Sometimes it's thinking about what He's done that moves us. Psalm 150, praise the Lord. Praise God in His sanctuary. Praise Him in His mighty heavens. Praise Him, verse 2, for His acts of power. Praise Him for His surpassing greatness. And then it goes on to talk about how. With the trumpet and the lyre and with dancing and with the pipe and the flute and, and the different ways to go about praising him. But the psalmist begins by saying, think about how powerful he is, amazing he is. His surpassing greatness. Now, there's nothing particularly specific about that. But the psalmist is saying God is power, right? So that power moves the psalmist to awe. Now, obviously, he has in his head, he's thinking of something. He's thinking about God's power in some way. Psalm 95. Come, let us sing for joy to the Lord. Let us shout aloud to what? The rock of our salvation. Ah, okay. He saved you. He has saved me. Let us come before Him with thanksgiving and extol Him with music and song. That's how. For the Lord is the great God, the great King of all gods. Power. SR 71. God's big. Listen, I think this is why there's something, uh, there's something about the, the oceans and there's something about the mountains. They're big. They make you feel small. There's something about the heavens. When you see them, they they kind of bring out this worshipful. So uh, sunsets. When you see kind of in creation, you see the glorious splendor of God displayed somehow in a special way. That's why when you buy a a beautiful little journal and uh, you know to take your notes in or to do your devotions on what do they always have pictures they have pictures of mountains the picture of you know sand and the seas and that sort of thing or there'll be a beautiful sunset on it and and then somewhere in there they're going to throw a cross why is that it, it's because those are the things that move us to see and to know and to understand he's big he makes the mountains quake you know, when we lived in Idaho, I don't know how many times um, I got the kids out. There was, Idaho is one of those places, you, know, you get out west and, and distance, distance does this. You can drive for 250 miles and just be like, okay, we got a little further to go here, no big deal. Um, but we would leave from the base and we would drive up to Sun Valley and from Sun Valley, the Sun Valley, if you've ever made the drive from Sun Valley, Idaho to Stanley, Idaho with the Sawtooth Mountains on your left hand side, it's phenomenal. It is just phenomenal because it rises from the level, you know, the floor, the basin right there, and they just shoot up and they're like sawteeth, hence Sawtooth Mountains. Uh, and when you have to, anyways, it's an amazing, and, and I, I just wanted to go make that drive because it, it, it just causes your insides to become jelly. That's what happens, and that's what happened to Mary. 
The Lord appears. The Lord makes himself known. The Lord reveals his salvation to Mary. And she becomes worshipful. She moves to this worshipful state. She thinks about who the Lord is and what he's done and how he's included her. I mean, do you, do you ever go there? He's included you in this. Gabriel, Gabriel doesn't get to experience the joy of the Savior the way you do. He's big and powerful and he makes people quake in their boots. He doesn't understand the Lord the way you understand the Lord. He wants to, but he can't. Because the Lord has saved you. He's rescued you. The Apostle Paul in Ephesians 1 does exactly the same thing, right? Meditating on who God is. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus. And then he just goes on from there. uh, Ephesians 1 is one giant long sentence. And there's, there's no punctuation. Paul's just, he's just writing. I can't. I can't get it all down. It's too amazing. And it's troubling, I think, for some of us to think about this because we don't really know how to praise. We don't really know what that, what does that really look like? C.S. Lewis dealt with this idea. What he finally uncovered was that all joy... All enjoyment spontaneously overflows into praise. And so he wrote this. The world, once you begin to understand this, right, that real joy and enjoyment overflows in spontaneous praise. And once he came to kind of realize and understand that, he wrote this. He said, the world rings with praise. Lovers praising their mistresses, readers their favorite poet, walkers praising the countryside, players praising their favorite game, praise of weather, wines, dishes, actors, motors, horses, colleges, countries, historical personages, children, flowers, mountains, rare stamps, rare beetles, even sometimes politicians or scholars. Yesterday, we, um, here's this little illustration, right? Awe, wonderment, praise. We watched the Army game. Anybody watch the Army game yesterday? So I'm watching the Army game with Colin and, and Christopher. And um, ordinarily, we wouldn't watch Army. <laughs> We'd watch Air Force because we like to watch passes. But yesterday, we watched... Yesterday we watched Army, who this year played four games, and in four games uh, alone they didn't throw one pass. Um, they run the ball 99.99% of the time, and that's what they did yesterday. I think they had three or four passes. And we watched them, and, and we were awed. And it was really, it was really fun, and we kind of got into it. And I just kept saying, that's so incredible. It's just amazing. Like, we're going to run it, and you can't stop us. Um, but we're going to run it, and we're telling you we're going to run it. And, and I kept telling the boys, and I realized, like, like, I was really excited about that, right? And the boys were like, you really were, Dad. Um, I was really excited. It, so we got kind of caught up in this joy, and I kept looking at the boys going, did you see that? Did you see that? Yeah, yeah. 
Okay, that's, 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 that's what we do. That's what he's talking about, the spontaneous, right? Um, because that's what we do. We look at something, we watch something, and we pull those around us in it with us, right? So not only do we say, uh, gee, that's awesome. We go, wasn't that, wasn't that amazing? Wasn't that, wasn't that awesome? And listen, you know that you are rejoicing in the Lord when afterwards you begin to say to people, wasn't that, what did y'all do last Sunday night? When you walked out of here, wasn't that, that's what you were saying to one another, right? Because it was a worshipful experience. Presbyterians are really, we're really skittish about this, okay? Like, ooh, I had a kind of a little bit of emotion involved there. I want to bring that level down. But it's okay because that's natural. We're, we are beholding who God is. We're thinking about it. It causes us to rejoice. And when you're rejoicing in something, you want to pull people into it with you. That's what we do. So how does it end? That's, that's kind of where it leads us, right? So this awe of the incarnation, God reveals himself to us. We're drawn into it. Think about it. I mean, the story of Christianity is not climb this ladder, do these steps, follow these rituals. The story of Christianity is God became man and he saved you. He died for you. It's a completely different story. It's a completely different ballgame. And so that's the message that comes to us. It leads us to worship. And then how does it end? It ends with real personal connections. We've already already started going there. But notice that the news comes from Gabriel, comes to Mary. Mary moves out from there, and what does she do? It says, hastily, she went to visit Elizabeth. And so she goes and she shares her news with Elizabeth, because Elizabeth has news too, and Mary knows it. And so she goes to be with someone to share this with. And, and together, they share their joy. And together, they share this good news. And so what this awe does, what this message, what this revelation does for us, is it drives us into new community. It drives us um, where once there was previously just barren wasteland in our lives, now we suddenly become connected to people. And this is what happens when you become a believer. When you find Christ, or He finds you, you are suddenly connected in a new and powerful way to people you've never been connected with before. Because now you have a heartbeat that's the same, and you share it, and it's powerful, and it's meaningful. And, oh, by the way, it just happens to be the story the world's dying to hear. You see it as you move through the book of Acts, right? As Peter preaches the message and his people are converted, the very next thing you see is that they met in their homes and they shared everything they had together. It stirs up within them this amazing connected community relationship that goes on when we know the Lord. And this is something that has to and must and does really accompany the gospel awakening in us as people. When we wake up to the gospel, we have to, we must move out away from ourselves and into the lives of other people. Look, 
we want to do this more and more. You know, I've often said, uh, I've often said the AA sometimes does a better job of this than we do. Right? Because they, because in AA you become awakened to an issue, okay? Your substance abuse, your addiction. And, and it drives you into the company of other people who have realized the exact same thing in their lives. And then, you walk with those people through life together. And you share your deepest, darkest secrets with them, and it's anonymous. And they don't go, and they don't spread it, and they don't talk about it, and they don't gossip about it. Because you're all in the same boat together. And I also said that if the church really got it, if, if we thought a little bit more about what we were doing, okay, that connectedness that AA shares would be ours. And we would share. Uh, because there are hurts and heartaches and struggles and addictions and, and battles and depressions and all manner of that right here in this room. And, and we of all people should be willing to throw this thing on the table and walk together with one another and say, I share that with you. Identify that with you. I have the same struggle. I have the same, you know, it's the same issue. It's, it's whatever it is. We want to walk together in life. And that's what the gospel does. It pulls us and should pull us into that kind of community relationship. It drove Mary out of her house and down the road to Elizabeth's house to share that news and to share that joy and to walk through some of life together. Now, the gospel isn't the only thing that does that. When you fall in love with anything, it will do that. But the gospel does it in a way. I mean, so... This past September, I ran my first triathlon, a little triathlon. I wasn't an Ironman. Um, I ran that little triathlon. I had never done anything like that. So that whole, you know, biking, swimming, running, community thing is really weird to me. Like, I don't, I don't get it. I don't get a runner's high, okay? I have never had a runner's high. I can tell you right now, all right? This never happened in my life, Um so I don't totally get it, and I didn't really get it leading up to it, all the training and getting ready. Um, Glenn and Paul and I kind of had a connection. That, and, but I, frankly, the morning when we left the hotel to go, I was nervous. I was scared. Did I have the right gear? Was I going to look the right way? Was I going to run the right way? Was I going to drown in the water? Was I, you know, all of those things are going through my head. Am I going to make a fool of myself? And I got there and I realized, like, there's 750 people here and they're all just as excited as I am and nobody's looking at me weird. And I went through the whole day and, like, you know, I saw a couple people on the course at different times. They're like, hey, how you doing? You know, like, New friends. It was weird. It was a weird experience. But it was almost like I could go do that again. I could go with those people and, and you know, identify. And so we find lots of points of identification in life. We do that. But we we really don't do them in the way that the, the gospel should make it happen for us. That This is really more... It's more substantive. It's more radical. It, it, is, it is the lens through which you see everything else that you do. And that's what you want. And that's why it so radically alters us. And that's why the divine revelation of the incarnation of the Son of God that we celebrate tomorrow is so very powerful in the lives of believers. And that's my prayer. My prayer is that the, the gospel 
good news will catch fire in our hearts again. I gotta tell you, and I've told you this before, like, Advent sermons are really hard to preach by the time you're 20 years in and you've been, the first time you do them, you're like, it's, this is really cool. The second year, okay. By year 17, 18, 19, 20, Advent becomes something challenging. It's challenging for us to, to find that awe again. And that's been my prayer. Lord, let me have the same awe of Jesus becoming a child, taking on flesh, that I had when my nose was pressed up against the glass watching it snow for the first time or something like that. You know, give me that kind of wonderment again. That's my prayer for us. Let's pray. Father, we thank you um, that we have a story in which we get to see Mary. We get to hear about her wonder and amazement at what you were doing. And we have the same wonder and amazement, um, maybe not to that degree today, but we pray, stir within us. Because what you've done is nothing short of a miracle in our own lives. You took that which was dead and you made it alive. We pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen.